Barbeat presents what's happening. Start your Labor Day weekend off right at the Picket Line, a Southside Chicago tavern that's not afraid to crack a few heads. Experience the same kind of finger-jabbing, hot-belly-bouncing, mind-numbing yammering normally associated with a Teamsters meeting. Every Tuesday through Saturday night is Ladies' Night. Anyone who vaguely resembles a lady will be strongly discouraged from entering the building all night long. Miners welcome and given all the Pepsi they can drink so they're bright-eyed and bushy-tailed when their daddies need a lift home. The ice chips and tapioca pudding will be flowing at the birth canal. Spend a quiet evening flat on your back with your legs in stirrups while bands of unlicensed midwives serve you our signature cocktail, the epidural. A shot of rum, a shot of gin, drambouille, corvassier, a milligram of lidocaine, and CBD oil with a dash of cranberry juice. The birth canal. Come for the playlist of Yacht Rock classics compiled by some douchey Lamaze coach, but you're going to want to stay for the episiotomy. At the Holiday Inn, watch well-intentioned humanitarian relations take an ugly turn as the Ukrainian rock band Agromany Yoshik takes the stage at the Wedding Rings Off Lounge. Straight from their six-year stretch in a Siberian hard labor camp, the band hasn't had a hot meal, a shower, a woman without a mustache, or a new musical idea since Boris Yeltsin was in power. But that's okay, because at 10.30, the KGB burst in and Elvis impersonator Anthony LeClaire takes the spotlight with his Labor Day tribute to the king. If the king was a short, balding black man who who played Funky Town over and over again on his harmonica while wearing nothing but a hard hat, a tool belt, and a smile. I'm Steve Gronin. Call the Barbie dictaphone if you've got nothing better to do. Your ears are about to be filled with the Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour. 28 minutes or so of sketch comedy, songs, and whatnot pulled from the audio vaults of Duck Logic a Chicago improv group that produced a two-hour comedy show called The Cavalcade on WLUP AM 1000 Radio in Chicago, plus new things thrown in for good measure. So kick back and enjoy a wacky walk down Comedy Street with Duck Logic, because they're a clutch of comedy men, just a clutch of comedy men, funnier than they've ever been, those goofy, zany, whacked-out comedy men. Retrograde Recordings presents for the first time anywhere Great Moments of Dead Air In an exciting two-record set Retrograde Recordings gives you the funniest the most dramatic and the most heart-rending moments in radio history when nothing could be heard You'll get the famous 15 minutes of nothing during the 1942 Rose Bowl game The long pause during the McCarthy hearings of 1952 well, Senator? And you'll get the incredible 10-minute gap when William Conrad on the radio version of Gunsmoke loses his place in the script, sits down on the stage, and cries. Miss Kitty, what this town needs is... is... If you order now, you'll also receive a condensed version of the 18-minute gap of the Richard Nixon White House tapes, two hours of dead air from the Stephen Gary show, and the longer pauses from the Jeopardy game show. Retrograde recordings, great moments of dead air. It's more than much ado about nothing. New from the toy dump, it's Stevie's stand-up comic doll. 
wind them up and watch them do jokes about girls going to the bathroom in groups, cops eating at Dunkin' Donuts, and the guy picking his nose in the express lane. Kooky prop accessories sold separately. Stevie's stand-up comic doll, putting the punchline back into the toy line, part of the little people performer line, including Jimmy Joke Teller, Sweaty Betty Body, Lisa Lounge Singer, and Billy Bad Magic Act, the audience reaction dolls for kids. Okay, kids, gather around. We always end a Kool-Aid cookout day with a campfire council. Tonight's topic is something for everyone, because that's exactly what Jesus is. Now, I know for some of you, this is your first Kool-Aid cookout, but please call me Glenn. We're very informal here. Nobody's allowed to call me Mr. Counselor. Got that straight? Oh, Mr. Glenn. <laughs> okay, okay, let's begin. Who wants to start? Uh, Glenn, Glenn, I'll start. Sure, Bill. Uh, hey, tell me what you want, Bill, more than anything in the world. Oh, I want to be a baseball player. Oh, really? Well, hey, that's yeah, odd because yeah. you know what, Bill? Jesus is a baseball player already. Oh, really? Sure, Bill. Jesus hits home runs called eternal life right into the bleachers of your heart. He's a Hall of Famer. Oh, great! Yeah. Hey, how about one of the new kids, uh, Keith? I don't know. I like to listen to rock and roll. Well, you know, guess who else is into rock? I don't know. A lot of people. Jesus! In fact, he's a rock musician. Uh, has he got any albums out? Well, if you'll let him play on the album you call your life, he'll turn every cut into a hit. Radical. <laughs> yeah, oh, this is great. Something yeah. for everyone. Glenn? Uh, yes? Uh, my name is Arthur. Well, everybody say hello to Arthur. Hi, Hi Arthur. Hi. Hey, 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 hello, how you doing? I like to kill things, Glenn. Oh, you know, really? mosquitoes and, and ants and flies and, yeah. and birds and, and squirrels. And I like to crush cats' heads and dogs. Really? I'll kill anything that moves. Really? Well, that's <laughs> funny because it, I like to kill, too. Uh, yeah. Really? Yes. Really? I, I love to kill, Arthur. I like to murder. I like to slaughter. You know what I like to kill? Squirrels and rabbits? No! Yes. I like to kill the devil! Wow. I hunt him down in people's souls. What do you uh, think of that? Wow. You want to go on a hunting trip with me? Uh. Sure. Could, could I say something? Oh, sure, Tim. You've been on a cookout before. Speak up. Well, I had a bad dream last night. Well, it wasn't really scary or anything like that. It was, uh, it was kind of nice, actually. Uh, <laughs> I mean, it felt good. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But when I woke up, the sleeping bag was all wet. Oh. I, a, I think I might have had one of those, you know. An erection? Yeah, that's it. I guess maybe I like girls. Well, hey, there's nothing wrong with that. It, it, it's not something to feel guilty or bad about at all. In fact, even I get an erection sometimes. You do? Well, sure, but it's not from thinking about girls. What? It's from thinking about Jesus' love. That gives me an erection in my soul. Does your sleeping bag get wet, too? Sure, from tears of joy. 
Wow, that's cool, just like me. Sure, and so is Jesus. D does Jesus get an erection too? Well, sure, he's hot for your soul. I bet his sleeping bag gets pretty wide too. Okay, well, let, let, let's move on. Let's move on, kids. Who else has a question? How about one of the girls now? Susie, what's on your mind? Uh, well, I'm not popular. No one will take me to the prom because I'm, I've got pimples in my breast milk and my hair is falling out. Now, wait a second. Hey, not popular. Hey, guys, you know, you have a lot in common with another person, Susie, who yeah. used to be unpopular yeah. until now. Sure. In fact, I don't recall he had a date to his prom either. No? It's funny. He's with us right now. Jesus? I was talking about myself. Oh. oh, so so how does that help me? Well, I, I guess it doesn't, but, well, maybe you should just give up your dreams of going to this thing. Huh? Well, we could have a pretend prom down in my van, just you and me. Uh, that's okay. Oh, well, you can think about it if you want. I, well, hey, kids, I think it's time we all hit the hay. Now. We've got a big day tomorrow. If you need anything, I'll be in my van down by the river. Just bring your fears and your questions and all your your oh, love and yeah. bring some food too, will ya? All right. Okay, I'll Thanks, see you, kids. Have you guys seen this new deodorant for your butt? No, but it fascinates me. It's called Lumi. Oh, yeah, I've seen. I've seen it present the woman, you know, I'm a blah, blah, blah. And I want to stick this up your butt. You put it in your, by your butt crack, I guess. And, and it keeps you smelling shower fresh longer. You smell like roses. You smell like spring. Something smells like ass crack. <laughs> I guess back in the days when we would stand closer to each other than six feet. I do remember being like on the train or an elevator and you can kind of, whoever it is here, it smells kind of funky, like a, like a butt. And so I guess it's for people that don't bathe regularly or... Didn't you always have someone in, like, school that always smelled kind of funky? I don't remember it in school, no. I remember some funky-smelling people in school. That was usually me. There's people like who didn't want to take showers during after uh, gym class. Well, these days they don't. I don't think they take showers. It's not a thing. So you just go sweaty, I guess, back to your next class. They're tired of being judged in the shower. Yeah, no, it's a body image lawsuit something or other, you know? So we used to swim naked in high school, gym class. Did you guys used to swim naked? What? No. No, we didn't have a, we didn't have a pool. Oh. We never had a pool. Oh, yeah. This was high school. Why were they swimming? Why? Why were you swimming naked? Why? Um, uh, No one really gave us an... I looked it up. I looked this up once. I mean, it started like in the 20s and the 30s, and they claimed that it had to do with the fibers of the suits we're clogging up the oh. filters of the pools, which is just, I don't know, baloney. And because I my thing was like, well, the girls don't do that, right? And they go, no, 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 they have suits. I go, why can't we have suits? They have suits. No kidding. We don't have the budget. So you're saying you had suits made of baloney? But the thing was, it was like you strip naked and they make you go walk through the showers where they had the showers running and they kind of rinse you off. And then you go, you straddle this pole that was shooting water up into your butt i guess or whatever and then you run out onto the pool and you would swim around naked it, it's kind of a midwestern slash texas it was a thing it was up through the like the late 70s till they finally stopped it because it was just are you kidding me all the pedophile 
whatever. That's like a, a pedophilia farm system or something that they were working <laughs> it really, on. The gym teachers were dressed. Well, that would be weird if they weren't. Even weirder. But, you know, you're up on the platforms, dive in. And I guess you guys didn't. Okay. No. It's not a totally uncommon thing. This was in Riverside, Illinois. Brings new meaning to the words naked and afraid. I mean, we played naked softball, but that's completely different. <laughs> yeah, totally. You're right. Boy, not a lot of sliding. Well, the signals to the pitcher. <laughs> yeah, the catcher must have been really. <laughs> oh, man. <laughs> yeah. He's like, is it, wait, is it two or is it just one? What, yeah. what, what is he signaling? What was he dropping? There was, I think there's two down. Wait a minute. There's a third one. Is that the curve? <laughs> We played naked jarts. Oh, excellent. But you know, it's better that you're just freer that way. Jarts, you get a little more distance that way. You didn't have to do a square dancing, did you? Yes. Did that come in? You did? <laughs> I don't I don't remember. Yeah, no, I don't remember doing that. We had to do it. Set. Was it naked um, square dancing? I hope so. <laughs> I wish. Grab your partner. I think it was like seventh grade. I think that I'm not sure. It didn't last long. But they, for some reason, decided we we should be doing square dancing. Opportunity to work with the girls' gym class. Oh, yeah. Bow to your corner. Swing the other fellow's lady. <laughs> and hand in hand. The spin for clams. Wow. What a white experience. I know. <laughs> what a And, you know, well, even, you know, something that I gave you knew. Why are we doing this? What is this about, really? And they said, okay, you don't like this? Well, on Friday, we're going to have your guys' music, and you can dance. They played, I don't know, Dave Clark. And we were supposed to go over to one of the girls and ask them to dance on the gym floor like uh, 10 in the morning. Let's have a dance party. Hey, was this Catholic school? No. This is oh. public school. Oh, ah. Okay, we'll mm. play your music, and you can do that drooging you kids do. You can do that chubby checker twist thing. That polywogging. I remember dancing with one girl. She was way ahead of her. Girls are way ahead of boys. Oh, yeah. The more mature earlier. Yeah. Yeah. Socially and everything. And she was actually doing like the pony. Oh. Wow. She already had a high shadow and a beehive. And she looked at me and she said, no, we, we'll just stop now. <laughs> we're just going to. We're just, we're just going to stop now. <laughs> we'll, do, we'll, you, we'll do something. Because you were just too, like. You know, uh, dorkish. <laughs> I, I had no idea. I could not do the pony. That's a tough dance. That's not an easy dance, really. I know. It's pony, a, pony's not that hard. I know. It's not like a waltz. Yeah, oh, yeah Tim. <laughs> I want to hear dancing advice from you. I have a recollection of my dad used to, I guess I was kind of talkative when I was younger. And he would bribe me, basically. He would say, all right. I'll give you $10 if you don't say a word for the next half hour. I'll take that deal. <laughs> yeah. I'm like, oh, sure, I can do that. Sure. You should charge him by the day. <laughs> I pissed off some teacher in high school, and he made me. I couldn't talk in his class. So I learned how to tell sight gag jokes. <laughs> I guess it was disruptive. <laughs> I was told to write everything down instead. You mean, oh, like things you wanted to say, quote unquote? Yeah, the class went on and I would just write it down and everyone read it out. It was like the first stream of consciousness writing anyone had ever seen in seventh grade. Seventh, okay. 
Oh, he's saying this. Oh, that was when she said that. Oh, oh so wait. Supposed to be about what? Wait, so you weren't doing it? At, you weren't like writing it down and then holding it up for everybody to see. You write it down and then show them af- after class. I was writing down uh, like I was writing paragraphs. I was writing uh, in wow. my notebook. A writer, even then. Yes. Yes, wow. I was. Yeah. You still have those? They'd be they'd be interesting um, to see. I wish I did. They were so insightful for a seventh grader. Yeah. Yeah. I bet they were. I made an enemies list. <laughs> enemies list? Yes. Yeah. I had diagrams. I had flow charts. So basically, a person who would, I don't know, shoot out a school or something. Here's the diagram of who I'm taking down to today in class with these paragraphs. An enemies list. Okay. There are many of them. <laughs> wow. Just finding this out now. All right, guys. We're like, you know past our regular time there might be seven minutes in here somewhere i know well i remember what aldous huxley said in point counterpoint he (laughs) said it's easy to be a genius when you're like 25 or 26 but by when you get to be 60 years old it's another matter entirely (laughs) all this that huxley we have to end on that we have to that's in point counterpoint in case you want to trace it down there's an obscure reference for you. Thank you very much. The lazy Susan of life. <laughs> the lazy Susan of life turns around again. Yes. And what do you got against Susan? That's what I want to know. She's pretty ambitious, really. I'm sorry, the shiftless Susan. <laughs> Who are we talking about Susan for? <laughs> yes, yeah, she's lazy. He said he was lazy Susan. Oh, lazy Susan. Okay. Oh, yeah. Okay, well, I have got to... Look behind that bookcase. It looks like there's an escape valve in Jim's house, so I'm going to use it. Yeah, right you got to go, Tim. You got to escape. Uh, yeah. I don't want to. Why are you even here? You're still here. The theme of my life was finding a place to run away and never come back. <laughs> I guess. <laughs> that explains a lot, really. It does. They'll like me here. If I get out here. They'll have to like me this time. Bye. I got to go. Oh, there goes Tim. There he goes. I'm at the Italian Greek Strawberry Farm just outside of Illinois, Illinois, talking to owners and founders Hilgi and Yahoga Bogofakenkis. Hello, Hilgi. Care for a strawberry? They have many vitamins, you know. Why, thank you. Doctors say that, you know. Strawberries are good for you. You live long time, strawberries, my boy. Strawberries are that important? My grandfather lived in tiny Athenian village all his 92 years, and his deathbed he told me strawberries good for you. I never forget that, you know. While everyone else was growing olives, he planted strawberries. He died a very lonely man. And that's why you started the Italian Greek Strawberry Farm. Actually, I get discount on Plaster Paris. Uh, pardon me? Uh, strawberries are fun. The kids today with their rock and roll music, their Elvis, they should eat more strawberries. Where does the Italian part come in? Everybody loves Italy. Italy fun. It's a country shaped like a shoe. You know, we haven't heard from your brother, Yehoga. Yehoga doesn't speak. The last time he opened his mouth, I got stuck with the 5,200 mutterings. Well, there you have it. The Italian Greek Strawberry Farm, where there's oh so much too much to do. Just outside of Illinois, Illinois, on Route 69. Have a strawberry good time. Just added that the Italian Greek Strawberry Farm, the strawberry stand-up comedy stage. An hour-and-a-half comedy show with a strawberry theme hosted by TV's own Goober Lindsay. I saw that, Dave. It was pretty good. Goober Lindsay was really funny. The new Human Oddity Pavilion featuring the Birthmarks Through History exhibit. That would be like strawberry birthmarks, I'm guessing. 
And the new musical review, Up With Strawberries. Wow. That is really great, you know, because they're all so vibrant and they're just young Republicans. They dance and smile really mm-hmm. big. So come on out to the Italian Greek Strawberry Farm where there's oh so much, too much to do on Route 69, just south of Illinois, Illinois. Hello again. This is Norman Leonard reviewing another movie that has finally made it to video form for mass home consumption. Tonight we'll be looking at Blue Velvet, a modernistic revival of the old children's tale, The Little Engine That Could. As the movie begins, we see a young boy frolicking through a forest when he happens upon a buried treasure. Equipped only with an indefatigable curiosity and his I-can-do-it spirit, he is soon joined by a young female counterpart in a misadventure which involves one motherly lounge singer and a spirited group from the local Moose Lodge. This cast of characters reminiscent of Disney's Apple Dumpling Gang are led by the fun-loving and unpredictable Frank Booth, played delightfully by Dennis Hopper, whose performance obviously pays homage to the great Don Knotts. Although Frank suffers from a respiratory disorder, his sheer determination helps him overcome this disadvantage. A tip of my hat to the screenwriter for giving new inspiration to all of those with handicaps. Frank and his wacky moose lodgers throw caution to the wind and take the young man on a happy drive into the night. Like a bunch of college students on a weekend road trip, they sing songs, share stories, and drink Pat's Blue Ribbon beer. When Frank's love interest misplaces her keys, it gives the old woman accidentally locked out of her house in her birthday suit routine a pleasant twist. This scene culminates in a spirited bang-em-up, shoot-em-out send-up of a Wild West saloon brawl. I regrettably missed the last 15 minutes of the movie when my wife called me into the den to help her move furniture. As I lifted the sofa so she could vacuum the carpet underneath, I couldn't help echoing the movie's anthem. I think I can. I think I can. I think I can. I fantasized having Dennis Hopper's character Frank Booth and his friends over to attend Sunday Mass and brunch with my wife and kids. Oh, how much fun that would be. In summary, Blue Velvet is a can-do, feel-good movie, and that translates into fun for the entire family. I give this video my highest recommendation, a hearty fast-forward. Join me next week as I review Caligula. Until then, this is Norman Leonard saying, put a deposit down for me at your local video store. Mom, my socks got holes in them. So, go out and buy some new ones. You're old enough. How often does this happen to you? You need socks, but your parents are starting to say, buy your own. With what you get paid at the gas station, you don't have enough to be buying socks all the time. But even your girlfriend, Debbie, said she's embarrassed by those holy foot covers. A better job is the only answer, but you haven't got the training. Talk about a catch-22. Without proper job training, you're defenseless to cat calls of sock miser and sock teaser. Even the coach of the team won't let you play because you'd embarrass the whole school with those disgraceful pedigarments. 
There's only one place you're headed with socks like those. Straight to Skid Row, and then a cold and lonely death and burial in a mass public graveyard far from friends and relations. But there is one thing you can do to acquire the kind of socks you need to save your life. Join the Army. That's right. Every young man who joins the Army not only gets useful job training and a regular paycheck, but a fresh pair of socks to boot. A pair of socks that should last a long, long time. At least long enough for you to get a good job and propose marriage to that girlfriend and play on that team and not get buried in that pauper's grave. New socks, a good reason for you to join the Army. Hi, I'm Lisa Rocker with The Rocker File with a live report from the New York City's Tamara Inn, where the 18th annual Hamilton Joe Frank and Reynolds Fest is in the second day of progress. The organization is impressive. There are 15 tables of Hamilton Joe Frank and Reynolds memorabilia featuring buttons of the period. Here's one, Dig That Hamilton, and t-shirts with the band's name either on the front or back. There's entertainment provided too. Tonight, straight from a successful three-month run on Broadway, the creators of Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds Mania, Peterson, Frank James, and Anderson. They'll be entertaining fans with their amazing simulation of a Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds concert. Unknown to most Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds fans, their biggest hit, Don't Pull Your Love Out On Me Baby, contains a cryptic message from one of the members' wives. Gone undetected all these years. Let's put the headphones on and see if we can detect anything. Day. Of course, that's Reynolds responding to his wife, and Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynoldsologists have a valid point when they say, don't pull your love out on me, baby, might have been a last-ditch effort to save Reynolds' marriage. Of course, he dropped her about three weeks later when he caught her with the TV repairman, but he patched his life together and wrote Annabelle, which was a haunting lament about some girl they knew. Right now, I'm sitting next to Lonnie Chapel, an occasional extra on some of Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds' classic sessions. Welcome to the file, Lonnie. Uh, thanks, Lisa. You know, uh, don't pull your love out on me, baby, with uh, my first session with the cats. <laughs> and of course, I'm also the guy who plays the tambourine on Annabella. I don't know if you knew that. Mm -mm. Uh, the, the guys were the diggiest, and, and they always paid me with compliments. Never gave me money, because uh, they, they knew I'd spend it on cars. I was a gearhead, and they, they looked out for my personal matters. Uh, my favorite song was, was the one that never made it to the record bins, Pretty Susie. It was about a pretty girl named Susie that Joe had met at the Eva Dowd coffee house. Uh, did they ever seem aware of their genius? I mean, was there ever a time when they said, hey, we're different, we're on the edge? We wrote, don't pull your love out on me, baby. No, that never. The guys were modest. No ego flare-ups, e even though they were 40 minutes ahead of the rest of the music world. You know, in fact, that was their credo, 40 minutes ahead of the rest of the music world. Hamilton, Joe Frank, and Reynolds. Hmm. Well, what were their individual personalities like? Oh. I mean... Well, Hamilton always sang songs. Uh, Joe Frank was tired and worn out a lot. And Reynolds loved to eat with the guys after a session. Collectively, they were a bunch of good guys who just happened to change the face of music forever. The best thing, they never made me clean up after them, unless they wanted me to. 
Oh, wow, that was big of them. Nah, man. nah, just the type of guys they were. <laughs> Gotta go, Lisa. Okay. Lonnie Chapel, 4th Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds. Stopping by the Rocker File to talk about a very interesting new book. I was a Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds. The story of the fourth member. The songs, the memories, the sideburns. Hamilton, Joe Frank and Reynolds Fest, 1987. I'm Lisa Rocker for The Rocker File. Well, there you have it. The Duck Logic Comedy Half Hour, show number 60. Featuring in alphabetical order, Ken Campbell, David Dunlosky, Tom Giannis, Walter Mitchka, James F. Russell, and that precocious little scamp, Tim Thomas. Tell everybody you see about our show and really think this time about subscribing. Follow us on social media and stop doing that thing with your nose. Check us out on Facebook. Our website is ducklogiccomedy.com. Portions of this podcast were previously broadcast on the radio under the copyright of DuckLogic Limited and the licenses of WLUP AM and FM in Chicago. And that's the end of that there thing.